Okay, so uh, it is Thanksgiving 2019. Happy Thanksgiving. I uh, hope you had plenty of turkey today. I am here uh, on Oak Island. Uh, I, I guess I could say I'm on Oak Island. I'm at the beach for Thanksgiving, uh, which is wonderful with the family. Uh, big brother hanging out, uh, sister-in-law, the kids, of course, my, my lovely wife, and uh, we even have a couple of dogs here. So I've uh, been dying to get a podcast up. Um, I have several, well, I won't say several, I have four chapters of uh, The Spook Who's Had By The Door recorded. I'm going to get three of them up with this podcast. And I think moving forward, we're just going to do three episode or three chapters per episode just uh, in order to, to, to make them available uh, more quickly. Uh, and so we will we'll be there at the end of the book in no time, uh, which... I'm looking forward to uh, in that uh, you'll know what happens, but uh, I'm not looking forward to it in that the podcast will be over, or at least season two will be. Um, anyway, uh, this will be a very short episode in the interest of getting those uh, new chapters out to you. And uh, without further ado, let's get into uh, the, the short uh, episode ahead. Uh, it's in a book. Let's get it started. Hey, it's in a book. I am Lawrence Rouse, your host. I am in Oak Island, North Carolina for Thanksgiving. Uh, obviously, we normally come to you from Raleigh, North Carolina. Of course, you're listening to It's in a Book. We are the official podcast of the BFBCR. That's the best fucking book club in Raleigh, uh, in case you hadn't heard. Um, you can find us on the web at bfbcir.com, uh, just because I think uh, BFBCR was uh, being... Uh, you know, kind of sat upon, squatted on, however, uh, whatever cool term the kids have come up with for that phenomenon by uh, some some company in China or something like that. Lord knows uh, what it'll be one day. But um, at any rate, uh, this is episode five of season two. We are uh, having a a lively conversation uh, about the spook who sat by the door. Uh, It's a wonderful book. Uh, written, I think it was in the, the 60s, gosh, uh, I, I think I've gone over all this already, um, and uh, yeah, I'm having a great time with it, hopefully uh, all, all the listeners out there are having a great time with it as well, and uh, this is just a short episode to get us back on track with the spook who sat by the door, we got a little distracted with work and, and life, and uh, even with another really wonderful book written, written in the 30s, rather, um, uh, by George Schuyler, uh, Black No More, um, which is actually going to be covered by the BFPCR uh, at our next meeting uh, in December. I'm really excited about that. Um, so uh, I have some ribs to uh, to get going here, so I'm not going to talk you to death. Um, the, the shortness of this episode can be attributed to the fact that there is no interview. We're just going to head right into the reading of Chapter 9, I believe it is, of The Spook Who Sat by the Door, attached to this episode on the web will be chapters 9, 10, and 11, which will uh, extend 
the remaining chapters left, or, or rather will reduce the chapters left to be explored down to uh, just nine. Uh, so it's, there are a total of 20 of them. And uh, moving forward, we're going to go ahead and, and do three chapters per episode. So there will be, uh, at the end of the next episode, uh, we'll, we'll read actually chapter 12 in the next episode and then uh, chapters 13 and 14 will also be on the web uh, leaving us uh, not many not many to go uh, before we head into the the next uh, little adventure uh, season three so uh, hey um, a lot of cooking to do my, my family's coming down to the beach tomorrow to uh, to hang out uh, on the day after Thanksgiving uh, we hung out with my wife's family today it was wonderful thanks mom um, for an amazing meal uh, and, and a, an amazing time uh, so yeah um, here we go um, the spook was out by the door chapter 11 chapter 10 chapter 9 all on the web We'll see you back here uh, at the uh, at the end of chapter nine to close things out. It's in a book. Chapter nine. Gentlemen, Stephen said in a board meeting in his best advertising executive manner, "I have splendid news." He paused dramatically sweeping the room with his smiling gaze, allowing the suspense to build. Dan has made contact with the Cobras. There was a sudden silence. Stevens, puzzled at this reaction, looked uneasily around the room. He patted his pocket handkerchief, fingered his pipe, and cleared his throat. Freeman sat quietly. He was not puzzled. Dan, this contact with the Cobras, Stephen had said just prior to the meeting, will really sell the board members on you. Not, he added hastily, that they aren't already. But no one expected a contact with the Cobras so soon after you joined us. This is really good news. Freeman watched their ambivalence fill the room like a white velvet fog. White liberals to a man with the single exception of Burkhart, the hard-headed business member. Among them, Roger Thompson, professor of sociology at the University of Chicago, a professional white liberal who had devoted a career to proving that the inequalities of Negroes were social and cultural rather than racial. Stevens, an amateur white liberal turned pro, they can forgive a nigger almost anything other than competence, thought Freeman behind his mask. They want their choice to have been an act of charity for a Negro not quite up to the job. They want me to fumble, stumble, turn to them for help. They would like the Washington Freeman. He was a good boy. Part of them wants me to vindicate their choice of a spade for the position. But another part wants me to prove once again that it is spade incompetence, not white racism, which is responsible for the scene. They'll use me, but they'll never like me. That is good news, Steve, said Professor Thompson. But are you certain this is a positive contact? Stevens, sensing difficulties, threw the ball to Freeman. Dan? 
Freeman regarded a point midway across the polished mahogany conference table, frowning in thought. Then he leaned forward sincerely and looked deeply into Professor Thompson's contact lenses. Of course, Professor, it is too early to be positive. I advocate caution at this point, and I'm moving slowly. But I made the first contact with the gang leaders several weeks ago in their pool room headquarters. I've played pool with them almost nightly, and they've visited my apartment several times since. Visited your apartment? Well, that is a real foot in the door. What are your immediate plans? Standard procedure for a while. Gain their trust and confidence. Offer them an adult male to trust and admire, since they are almost all from broken homes and have none otherwise. He motioned to Stephen's colored secretary, who moved around the table gracefully, placing a folder in front of each member. You'll recognize that concept as your own, Professor. I've taken the liberty of including copies of the article you did concerning it for Atlantic a few years back in these folders. In addition, there are biographic character sketches of the three gang leaders, Dean, Davis, and Scott, plus shorter ones of several other key gang members. There is the table of organization of the gang, including the chain of command and a brief history of the Cobras as a ghetto social institution. My own plans for the game, subject of course to change, are also included. He watched them look through the folder from behind his Grecian mask, a black Prometheus among the gods, who had stolen the secret of fire from Olympus by the Potomac and was teaching its use to his people. Not the fire next time, he thought, but the fire right now. How long before they chained him to let the black and white vultures tear at his liver? Professor Thompson looked up. I notice you plan a sports program for the Cobras. Hasn't that approach pretty much been discredited in reaching street corner society? In general, yes, Professor. However, I think it might tend to work with the Cobras. As you know, they emphasize sports far more than usual for a street gang. Almost every member is a pretty good athlete, and they still call themselves the Cobras ASC, Athletic and Social Club. And the gang leaders were all-star athletes until they dropped out of high school. I thought I might start with a program which would appeal to both their combativeness and athletic ability. He paused. I'm seriously considering organizing a judo club. Judo? exclaimed Burkhart. Isn't that just asking for trouble? Think of what they could do with that knowledge in gang fights. On the contrary, Mr. Burkhart, the judoka has a strict discipline, intrinsic in the training, that he will avoid a fight whenever possible, and, when offered no choice, restrain himself. Then, striking at Burkhart's soft spot, a fanaticism concerning guns and marksmanship, he continued, it's almost identical to the principle employed in weapons training. By teaching gun discipline and a respect for the weapon and its potential, you tend to reduce rather than increase the possibility of its indiscriminate use. Yes, I see what you mean, Freeman. Certainly I've seen the positive effect of weapons training on antisocial types when I was in the Army. It might work at that. I actually got the idea from your article in American Rifleman, said Freeman. It was in the August issue, said Burkhart, surprised, pleased, 
and flattered. You read it? I've made it a point to read everything both you and Professor Thompson have written. It gives me an insight in your approach to the Foundation's work. Burkhart relaxed and smiled at Freeman for the first time in his memory. Got your nose open now, you little motherfucker. And it really would be beautiful if I could talk you into coaching a rifle team made up of the Cobras. But that can wait. They discussed the Cobras for some time and then adjourned the meeting. Later, over luncheon, Stevens expressed his pleasure. A massive presentation, Dan. You'd do well in advertising if you ever left a social welfare game. And I couldn't be more pleased in your finally breaking through with Burkhart. I think we've earned another round of martinis. He motioned to the waitress. In the early stages of his training and organization, Freeman often used the street for his classes. He would stand casually on the street corner, hanging out, and pass along his CIA-bred knowledge. You already said, Turk, it's firepower, not marksmanship in a firefight. So how come all this jazz about range and win and that shit? Asked Scott one afternoon. Because everybody has to double up as snipers. Even the cats who can't shoot will have nuisance value. Nobody likes to walk around in the dark and not know when somebody is going to shoot at him. Anyway, like Turks say, ain't nothing to figure in range in a city. The length of a block, distance between lamp poles and telephone poles is all standard, said Dean. In an attack, you'll be on battle sites, 300 yards. It will handle anything you're likely to be shooting at. But for sniper work, you try to figure the range to the inch. He paused to make sure he had their attention. If you were working as a sniper from that corner building and we were the target, how would you figure the range? He let them puzzle it a minute, then asked their resident mathematician, Sugar? I guess I'd estimate by sight from up there. NG, no good. Range estimation at night is always tricky, and with artificial light too. He shook his head. Hell man, it's simple geometry. You know the height of the building. Yeah, said Scott. Yeah, and I know the distance from the base of the building to here. So what's the distance of the third side of the triangle? Smiling broadly, Scott gave the range to the inch. That's all right for him, Turk, but what about the rest of us, Stud Davis asked. Nothing to it, Stud. Hips can run it down for you in ten minutes. Man, I never could do anything with math in school. That's because you never had educational motivation before. Take over, sugar, and don't let them go until they know how to do it. Then you each pass it along to the cells. Easy. He walked away. Freeman continued to use the streets for his training, but as the weather grew cooler, he would use the pool room after closing, or his own apartment. His close relationship with the gang leaders was completely in keeping with his cover and only added to his prestige as an active, energetic, and imaginative social worker. He gradually gained their confidence and growing affection, and the masks they wore for the outside world were loosened for Freeman, their personality traits becoming increasingly clear. They had been gifted athletes and had delayed dropping out of high school only because of their love of sports. Dan, the smallest one of them, had not played football, but
but had been that rarest of American Negro athletes, a distance runner. Few Negroes in the United States have had any taste for duplicating in a distance run the exact kind of pain and endurance they face in their daily lives. But Dean ran as he lived, methodically, impassively, the intensity he hid so well flashing only at the finish of a race, when head back, teeth bared, he would sprint the last three or four hundred yards, punishing his black, wiry body, regardless of how far he might be in front, or how hopeless his pursuit of a leading opponent. But he seldom lost, except in open meets against older, more experienced men. Ain't but one place in a race, he would say. First place. Second and third don't count. He had a sharp, methodical mind and was temperamentally opposed to making hasty decisions. Let me think about it, he would say when a problem arose. And sometimes days later, when others had forgotten, he would present his opinion, and it would usually be accepted without question. One night in the pool room, after it had closed, Freeman was discussing the table of organization of the Cobra Underground. Turk, said Dean. That the same we always been. Right, said Freeman. The only change is here, where you had a duplication. He pointed to the blackboard. The organization was already together, and there's no need to change the chain of command or the TNO. Ordinarily, it would take three to five years to organize an underground organization of this type from scratch. But the Cobras have always been an underground. How do you mean? asked Dan. What do you think, countered Freeman? We discussed the characteristics of an underground revolutionary movement last week. Well, secrecy. Not even all the gang members know how big the Cobras is. And the fuzz sure as hell don't. We got organization and... Uh, what's that word you used? Motivation? Yeah, motivation. And we got discipline. And we got balls. Right. And there are at least five or six other gangs who fit that description. Not as well as the Cobras, but well enough for recruitment once our training is complete. Got any idea who they might be? Let's see. The Comanches, the Apaches, the Blood Brothers on the west side, said Stud Davis. The Crusaders and the Tigers, said Dean. The Tigers, said Davis. Man, they don't do nothing but give parties. They even got chicks in the gang, the Tigerettes. You ever try to crash one of them parties? Asked Dean. Man, them chicks as bad as they are. Right, said Freeman. And we can use women. They can often go places and do things men can't do. There are a couple of other possibilities, but those gangs top the list. How many do you figure if we recruit them all, including the Cobras? More than 500, said Scott. Yeah. And what do you think 500 well-trained revolutionaries can do to this town? Turn it inside out, said Davis. They looked at one another, impressed. Shit, Turk, said Dean. You don't play, do you? I sure as hell don't. And not just Chicago, but every city with a ghetto, which is every major city in the North. The members of the recruitment and training cell move out in January. Their cities are already selected as well as the first gangs they contact. You gonna turn this country upside down, said Dean. 
wrong. We're going to turn this country upside down. You really dig the Cobras, don't you, Daddy? Freeman asked him one day as they stood in front of the pool room late one lazy, warm afternoon. The people were moving slowly through the streets, standing in clusters, talking softly, occasionally waving to a friend, sometimes detaching themselves from one group to another. The ghetto sounds, smells, and colors, white teeth and dark faces below the sunglasses which hid them from the cold, hard world. Protection for people born to the sun, but forced to live in the sunless garbage heap of a sad, sunless, sick society. Yeah, the Cobra's the best. Everybody know that. You know, one of the cats moved to New York and they know our rep way out there. Cats start getting bad because he knew on the block, you know, to find out if he got any balls. Where you from, nigger? Think you bad? That kind of shit. And he told him he from Chicago and he a Cobra and man, he owned the block after that. He the leader of that gang there now. Groovy, said Freeman, always alert to potential recruits. If they check out, maybe we can use them for our New York scene. Harlem or Bedford-Stuyvesant? Harlem. Go on, how'd you become a Cobra? I never thought I'd be one. You know, I was really little and skinny then, and I wasn't worth a shit in sports. I got better all of a sudden, but I never was as good as Stud or Hips or Pretty Willie. Them cats can do anything. I was good with my hands, though. He smiled. You know, if you can't fight out here in the streets, you sure better be able to run. And I never been too fast. He did not have great straightaway speed, but he did possess the quality coaches call quickness, great speed of hands, and the ability to change direction instantly. It had made Dean an excellent playmaking. It had made Dean an excellent playmaking basketball guard, in spite of his lack of height. I was only about ten or eleven, and the Cobras used to like to watch me fight. Sometimes they set up a fight with somebody. I had good moves even then. Seemed like I always knew how to hook. You know that's a tough thing for a little kid to do. The other punch is easy, but a real good hook ain't easy for a little kid. But I had it. They used to talk about my left hand and make bets and stuff. Next thing I know, they make me the mascot and then they start using me to wiggle through windows and things when they hit a store or something. And then I get to be a cobra. He said it as if it were the most important thing that ever happened to him. You ever think there might not be any cobras one day? Dean looked surprised, then a bit shocked. What do you mean? I mean, we could all get wasted, every one of us. Freeman's gaze swept the street, and he motioned to the people there. I mean, all of us. Nobody knows what Whitey might do when the deal goes down. I never thought about that. Dean looked at the people in the street with new interest. Does it scare you? asked Freeman. I don't know. Does it scare you? He looked at Freeman intently. Hell yeah, but that ain't nothing new. I've been scared all my life. There ain't a nigga living who doesn't know fear. We live it in all our lives like a fish in water. We just have to learn how to use it. Dean took out a pack of cigarettes and offered Freeman one. He waved his refusal 
and watched two men across the street, deep in an argument. A crowd was gathering, waiting for the explosion. Freeman pointed to them. They're scared. That's why they might kill one another in a minute. Watch them. They were serious now, not loud talking anymore, their voices low and deadly, and already they had dropped that right foot back and stood aslant one another in a position for instant combat. They kept their hands ready for attack or defense, each awaiting some move from the other. Damn near the deadliest people in the world, thought Freeman, but killing each other all these years instead of the people who put all that fear and anger inside them. Finally, one said something and the other laughed, and they both stood there, their heads flung back and threw their dark laughter to the sky. The crowd joined in, and others threw in jokes and asides, the smiles broad in their faces, the tension suddenly gone and giving their laughter its force and power. The two men strode into a bar, and the crowd moved on to other diversions. They got a blues about that, laughing to keep from crying, it says. And that about says it. A man could get to be a philosopher listening to the blues. If we ever forget how to laugh, we're finished. You really dig spades, don't you, Turk? Yeah. I feel about spades the way you feel about the cobras. They're my family. I got a family of 25 million people. He smiled. Ain't no way I can ever be lonely. But he was lonely. His cover, his plans had forced him into himself, and his loneliness aided him like a cancer. Always the iron control, even when drunk, the cover everything, himself nothing, afraid even when he cried out in orgasm that he might give something away. Only with the cobras could he be open, but he knew he used them as well. Sometimes he looked at their faces, trying to etch their features into his memory, knowing that many, if not all of them, would not survive, knowing also that they had no future otherwise, the endless waiting in the lines, unemployment lines with sullen, black, blank faces at their end, the white man boss in his office, Memoranda on his desk to get tougher, cut down the unemployment rolls, force them out into the streets and into the other lines, leading to an employment office where there were jobs only for white faces. Junk, jail, or junk and jail, and more junk available for those with the price in the county jail. The guards, the safest pushers in the city. They can't bust you in the slam. The junkie's joke between heroin nods. An aborted marriage to a favorite fuck and another black baby with no hope and no future in the land of milk and honey, replete with goodies and white plastic cases for God's own children with white plastic faces. They moved toward the pool room, walking slowly through the warm streets. That laughter baby is the best insurance Whitey has. Once we stop laughing and singing, stop killing each other and start killing him, forget it. He was amazed at how quickly they learned. He pushed them ruthlessly, relentlessly, and each time they reached the saturation point, they swelled to absorb more. 
He had figured on 18 months to two years, but gradually he felt sure they could begin the next summer. He did not allow himself to think of it after so many years of lonely planning, that perhaps now it was only a matter of months. They reached the pool room and walked inside, past the never-silent television set. He glanced at the set and watched Ernie Banks wiggle his spikes solidly into the dirt of the batter's box and set his long, lithe body for the pitch. They walked to the table in the rear and began to shoot. Turk, lot of the cats 1A. What happened when they get called? They go underground? No, shit. The Army is our postgraduate course, the best training ground we have. They can teach us the skills we need in a fraction of the time I can. When they get a call, have them check with you. Then we go over what we need, and they go and volunteer for the next call. That way they can pick their training and not get stuck in some unit that's a waste for us. Armor is a waste, unless it's armored infantry. You know what we need. Skill with small arms, demolitions, small unit tactics. He paused and smiled. There's a certain poetry in Whitey training us to mess with them. Every black cat in Vietnam is a potential asset for our thing. Whitey knew what he was doing when he wouldn't let us fight in the Second World War. He paused to line up a shot, stroked, and missed. He watched Dean as he chalked his cue. You know, American white folks got more nerve than anybody. They call them gooks and us niggers out there in Vietnam and in Korea when I was there. And they don't see any reason why the gooks and niggers shouldn't kill one another for Whitey's benefit. The hang-up is that it's exactly what's happening. You can't criticize success now, can you? They're pretty smart, ain't they? Smiled Dean. Don't know whether they're smart or we're stupid. Maybe a little bit of both. The discipline, always good, tightened, and the pride increased. No longer flamboyant, but quieter, cooler. The cobras walked tall and ready, afraid of nothing. They even lost interest in pot. Tell the cats to turn on every now and then. They get like suburban boy scouts and everybody will get suspicious, he told Dean. Then he smiled, remembering pot had become as popular in the suburbs as swallowing goldfish or college panty raids had once been. They drilled endlessly in weapons training, unarmed combat, demolition theory. He taught them the theory of resistance to torture. Most people can't stand up under it, and there's no shame if you can't. But if you give in too quick, they won't believe you, and they'll keep it up. You have to hold out long enough to convince them the info you give out is for real. Otherwise, the scene goes on, and you haven't gained a thing. What you have to remember is the cats who torture enjoy it. They don't want you to quit too soon, so you have to hold on long enough for them to get their kicks. Then tell them what they want to hear. Just Whitey all over again. You know when he's putting you down. He don't dig it if you take low too soon. They gradually built up a network of safe houses, arms caches, and message drops. Only Freeman knew the entire network, 
The rest were divided between Dean, Scott, and Davis. He tried to figure a way for training with handguns, then dismissed the idea as one which would attract too much attention. Besides, the kind of fighting he had in mind would find that kind of weapon almost useless. Professor Thompson, who was writing a book on the activities of the Foundation, decided to add a chapter concerning Freeman's work in contacting and defusing the Cobras. Freeman was becoming known as a bright young man in his social work. He was named as an eligible bachelor in Ebony's annual listing, pictured leaning suavely against his lotus. Since he was careful to direct credit toward Stevens, remaining modest and unassuming, refusing to flirt with the white women at the integrated Hyde Park cocktail parties, arriving early and leaving early before the potent cocktails might provoke an unpleasant scene, always appearing with women dark enough not to be mistaken for white. He was pointed out as an example of a Negro who was making it in American society. No one could imagine that Freeman, tame, smug, and self-satisfied, would ever rock the boat, much less suspect that he planned to sink it. Okay, so comes to a close. Season 2, Episode 5 uh, of It's in a Book. Thank you very much for uh, tagging along to, uh, to hear the next little bit of The Spook Who Sat by the Door. Remember that chapters 13 and 14 are on our, we- our website, bfbcir.com. Uh, just follow the links uh, starting at the podcast and, and you'll, you'll wind up right there in the repository for the chapters i gotta tell you i am exhausted it's been a long wonderful thanksgiving holiday uh so i'm I'm just going to take a moment to to give thanks for all the incredible blessings uh that that i enjoy uh as as an american as uh as a family man as a husband as a father um thank you to uh to all the people and and to to all uh out there in the universe <laughs> pick your poison um you know for, for, from whom those blessings flow um hey i'm rambling i'm really tired uh, i gotta get some rest and uh and, and get back in on the grind tomorrow we will come at you really soon with uh the next three chapters and uh another brief episode um i uh thank thanks a ton for uh, for coming along for the ride it's in a book See you next time. You know what free is, nigga? What's free? Free is when nobody else can tell us what to be. Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see. Told my niggas I need you. Through all the fame, you know I stay true. Pray my niggas stay free. Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be. Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet. Told my niggas I need you. Stay up, I know these times ain't.
Just got a pad out in London I keep stacking my money, I need a ladder by summer 8K shots, niggas ducking straight shots Been a top dog, that's before the K dots Cracking in 06, immaculate showmanship Talking like you Mitch, disastrous on the strip Holding on your bitch, coulda never sold you a brick With them people, you never been on the list Mona Lisa to me ain't nothing but a bitch Hanging pictures like niggas swinging from his dick we so different, you thought these didn't exist The Megalodon never seen on his wrist I'm from the south where they never make it this rich God is the greatest, but Satan been on his shit Walk in the pavement, I pray I'm illuminated Over a decade and never nobody's favorite Pot and kilo go hand in hand like we gambling huff My amigo a million grams when we count them and up You was dead broke, I let you hold it back You paid for it, but I fuck around and stole the track Screaming gang gang, now you wanna rap Racketeering charges, caught him on the tap Looking for a bond, lawyers wanna tax Purple hair, got them faggots on your back That's free, free is when nobody else can tell us what to be Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see Told my niggas I need you Through all the fame, you know I stay true Pray my niggas stay free Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet Told my niggas I need you Stay up, I know these times ain't true Real life was yeah. free Fed investigations, heard they plying like I trapped 20 million cash, they know I got that off a rap Maybe it's the Michael Rubens or the Robert Crafts Or the billionaire from Marcy and the way they got my back uh, See how I prevailed and now they try to knock me back uh, Lock me in the cell for all them nights and I won't snap uh, 250 a show and they still think I'm selling crack uh, When you bring my name up to the judge, just tell them facts Tell them how we funding all these kids to go to college Tell them how we ceasing all these wars, stopping violence Trying to fix the system in the way that they designed it I think they want me silent Oh say you can see, I don't feel like I'm free Locked down in my cell, shackled from ankle to feet Judge banging that gavel, turned me to slave from a king Another day in the bing I gotta hang from a string, just for popping a willy. My people march to the city, from a cell to a chopper. If you from the top of the city, you can tell how we rock as soon as I pop up. We litty popping like Bad Boy in '94, big popping and Diddy and niggas counting me out. Like my account ain't busy. That's five million twenty. Sit up and count till I'm dizzy. Fading five hundred thousand, hundred round in a stizzy. Is we beefing and rapping? I might just pop up with Drizzy. Like what's free? Free is when nobody else can tell us what to be. Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see. Told my niggas I need you. Through all the fame, you know I stay true. Pray my niggas stay free. Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be. Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet. Told my niggas I need you. Stay up, I know these times ain't true. Real life was free. In the land of the free, where the blacks enslave. Three fifths of a man, I believe's the phrase. I'm 50% of Duce and it's dead free, yeah. 100% of Ace of Spade, worth half a beat uh. Rock Nation, half of that, that's my piece 100% of title to bust it up with my cheese uh. Smokes, my niggas won't ever work together You run a checker, but they never give you leverage No red hat, don't Michael and Prince me and yay They separate you when you got Michael and Prince's DNA uh. I ain't wanna
one of these house niggas you bought My house like a resort, my house bigger than yours, my spot Come on, man My route better, of course, we started without food in our mouth They gave us pork and pig intestines Shit you discarded that we ingested We made the project a wave, you came back, reinvested and gentrified it Took niggas sense of pride, now how that's free And them people stole the soul and hit niggas with 360s <laughs> We was praising Billboard, but we were young Now I look at Billboard like, is you dumb? To this day, Grandma afraid what I might say They gonna have to kill me, Grandmama, I'm not their slave <laughs> Check out the bazaar, rapping style used by me The HOV, look at my hair free, carefree Niggas ain't there free, enjoy your chains What's your employer name with the hairpiece? I survived a hood, can't no shaitan rob me My account's so good, I'm practically living tax-free Factory, that's me, sold drugs, got away, scot-free That's a C-C-E, copy, guilt-free, steal me And expect me to not feel away To this day, you would say, y'all kill me Sucker-free, no shucking me I don't jive turkey, say happy Thanksgiving Shit sound like a murder to me Smoke-free, all of y'all calling out toll-free Label rob you for millions, yet you wanna put a hole in me Sugar-free, season but I'm so free You lay a hand on hold my shooter Shoot for free I promise World War 3 Send an order through a hands free Kill you in 24 hours The shorter you can't ignore the hand speed On guard it's off the head This improv but it's no comedy Sign I fail Hell nah <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back Remix You know what free is nigga? Erasmus What's free? Free is when nobody else can tell us what to be Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see Told my niggas I need you Through all the fame you know I stay true Pray my niggas stay free Made a few mistakes but this ain't where I wanna be Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet Told my niggas I need you Stay up, I know these times ain't true Real life, what's free? If it's free to hold, my nigga ain't worth the grip If the fear's nil, stay home, ain't worth the trip 12 years a slave, a 400 we rode the ship Paid the fare, checked the blood, sweat and tears, the money whipped Still, I don't feel away. deliver goods, expect to pay So why you feel away? Bills unpaid to this very day Hold hay, soon play, risque, venture, lift the skirt See the dirt, still at work, strong play In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man remains the king This grease paint never will go away, so I dance and sing But pay me, not free, not cheap, no C's, no G's Give me M's, gold chains, gold rings See the bling from the mind they go blind at the big reveal So in the end, I'm still Ellison, nigga I never chill, lights hot, no thoughts No bots, news is real, CBS Cock block, stop, always get off They know the deal, I never die, motherfucker Got wings, I never fly Let's the private jet lands at the set That's by the by, you high, we high Go low, I'm solo, my hand to hand it don't shoot, shot you under the table No label, I'm giving this shit away nigga, free 99 Cause the flow is divine, but the goal's still undefined Niggas running a long time, what's really the finish line? Finish mine, I'm on my brother's keeper, nickels and dimes Pour me a scotch, need twist the limit, remember the times Twisted up in the backwoods of North Carolina, but now we fine Flying into Charlotte, go off from Africa, it's not enough I need all my niggas with me, party, Bobby Whitney They don't have to come and get me, I bring it to the front Door. I'm still at the back door, the city, the country, the seashore Sally selling shells, Sammy raising hell Erasmus Paul Revere, we underground here We hundred round here, we ain't coming for you We coming for what you hold dear The writing's very clear, self-evident Ironic, irreverent, America landed a free Erasmus for president 